Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CRS Coffee Podcast. This is episode number one. We decided to to start doing the podcast uh, in reference to the Mapid Ford events that yeah. we will be hosting in Sydney and in Melbourne. Yeah. So it'll be a little series of podcasts. We're trying to bring different people on board, uh, reflecting on different topics. And the first episode will be Yanina from Project Origin. Just before we continue with Yanina, I just want to say that if you guys want more information about Mapid Forward, just go mapitforward.org. Um, you'll find all the info, all the speakers. It's going to be three days. It's going to be very intense. And we're going to have an amazing party uh, run by Lama Zoko for all the baristas and all the industry to enjoy. Amazing. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, we all should be part of it. And, and it's a definitely a support for the whole industry. Um, now back to our podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first CRS podcast. I'm here with Noah Adra, owner of CRS. Hello, Hello. Noah. How are you doing? Good, good, good. And I'm here with Yanina, who's from our Project Origin. And so today we will be talking about transparency in financial reports. It's big words, but uh, I think I think important ones. So basically, we're seeing a movement towards uh, transparency in financial reporting. Uh, big companies are putting up their um, how much they paid for their green to to farmers uh, and there's sort of a bit of conversation around this about um, why they're doing it is it important uh, what does it mean and so Yanina uh, we had a cupping with with uh, Project Origin the other night and Yanina wanted to explain how sometimes a number doesn't tell the whole story or how some things can be confusing when looking at a spreadsheet or when looking at a bunch of coffee names and, and numbers uh, so we just wanted today, we just wanted to open the conversation about what it's all about. And yeah, just create a bit of discussion and, and conversation around the topic. So so first of all, welcome, Yanina. Thank you so much Thank for, for having me. Down. Yeah, I think let's start a little bit more about you. Let's let's start. Who's Yanina? Um, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. That's <laughs> yeah. something I ask let's myself start, every morning. Let's talk about Yanina a bit. And then we'll go through the details later. That's awesome. Um, so I work for Project Origin for the last two years. Um, I'm um, uh, originally Argentinian girl uh, who came to Australia about nine years ago, oh, wow. working in cafes, uh, nice. learning uh, how to make espresso at the same time as making how to speak English. Yeah. And then eventually, you did well. I yeah. did all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, why, why Australia? Where did you come to Australia for? Uh, my dad got posted here to work for the embassy. So I came to Canberra originally, mm. like straight away. Cool. I thought that was the biggest city I ever seen, and then yeah, wow. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, so yeah, so then um, you know, start working at the cafes. You know, like find my my safe space behind the coffee machine where I didn't need to talk much English to people, mm. uh, but I still had a lot of communication because customers would come to you and be like, mm-hmm. "Wow, that's amazing! That was very nice!" And like, so I, I felt there was a lot of communication you could do through flavor and not necessarily through speaking. So that was like. My first approach to coffee, definitely fell in love, always reading the info cards, wanting to know more about the origins. And then eventually did my first trip to Origin in 2015. And since I came back, I was like... Was it all with Project Origin, your trip? Or my was trip it? was with Sasha when he was filming The Coffee Man. Uh, oh, nice. I was a barista for Honor at that, at that time. And I was lucky enough to join that trip. And then, uh, yeah, since then, I knew I wanted to work with Project Origin. At that time, Project Origin only had one employee. 
yeah. which was uh, Habib, Habib, my yeah, colleague. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he was a very well, small I know company. Project Origin before Habib, even. Exactly. They like, had yeah. Paul back then. I used to buy coffee exactly. from Paul and, and the guys. Yeah, no, we had a great, great time. And, and the company stand up for itself as so, well. Thank you. Know, you. It's, got a, it's got a good reputation, good people behind it, and great coffee. Um, and thanks for the intro. Now we know who you are. An introduction. We have another introduction. For those who aren't aware of CRS, yeah. Noah Adra, would you like to fill us in? Oof, with that's a bit of a painful who moment. Collective Roasting Solutions. Um, I, th- I think Collective Roasting Solution is a platform for people, um, for the coffee industry, not just say people, who would like to express themselves and, and to really kind of showcase who they want to be uh, and who they are. Obviously, and uh, we here opening platform for a lot of people to kind of uh, be part of a community, not just um, an individual thinking, more collective thinking, and uh, spread the the word, education, and knowledge throughout the industry. Not just for Sydney or Melbourne or Adelaide. We're trying to make it Australia first, and then I think we we'll make it a little bit wider. When, awesome. when we have the capacity and the capabilities to do that. And working with people like you guys, I think that's what's going to help us build that platform. And from here, we can achieve a higher ground, I, I believe. So, um, so yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for being here. I think it's great. I think it's really fun. I've never done this before, but I could see I'm natural at it. So. It's the first, <laughs> the first podcast, mate. First podcast. I think, I think yeah, there's, uh, there's always a first time. Yeah. You know, it's like our first Ethiopian Marmora natural. It's always a great coffee. <laughs> first, first podcast. <laughs> Amadeo, are you going to introduce yourself? Yeah, I think Am I'm I going to introduce Yes, yes. So, uh, my name is Amadeo Vasquez. I work for CRS. Um, just do a bunch of stuff here. Um, a lot of different projects going on. It's a really just a bit of a bit of a history as well. Like me and Amadeo know each other's like eight years now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We eight, used to work eight? together at a coffee shop <laughs> at at uh, uh, Three Ropes. Three Ropes, yeah. Soka. Dear Parramatta. Parramatta, yeah, mate. Oh man, all the way. That's 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 a while back. I know. <laughs> that's a while and, back. Uh, how old were you? I'm telling my age now, man. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. I, yeah. I would have been... Met really young. You were just starting in the coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I was a few years in, but yeah, it was with uh, Tony Sleeman. Yeah. Yeah. The, Circa. Circa the Group crew. and Smith. Yeah, it was really good days. It was yeah. fun. And then um, we kept the relationship. And, yeah. Uh, he worked for Goldrop and he helped a lot of other cafes in, in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, he helped me personally. And um, yeah, now we are together. So. Are you actually together? No, not together. Uh, as in partners, depends but, how you uh, see it. But, uh, <laughs> could be questions. Could be a family <laughs> together. Yeah. No, no. This, it's been a beautiful journey. Yeah. It has. Cool. So, right. well, um, I think we'll leave that for you, Yanina, to start up and introduce the topic that we're going to be talking about today, what? which is um, transparency. What, what does it mean for you, transparency, for Project Origin and for Yanina? Um, well, for us, it's, um, it's mostly about building win-win scenarios. Um, it's really like we, we found that uh, sustainability is a big part of doing business in an ethical way. Uh, we think that if you are always trying to find, I guess, the best deals or trying to take advantage from the business point of view, um, you cannot really build something that is going to last long. You, you might be very successful at it. Uh, but it's very hard to make that an ongoing thing and a forever thing. 
Um, so we have a, a strong, strong views on if we want to build a business that is going to last forever, it has to be done in a way that everybody wins. It has to be done in a way that everyone wants to be part of and wants to participate and is happy to be part of. Uh, so for us, the, um, the win-win outcome is probably one of the biggest priorities at the time of sourcing coffee. Uh, and that's why we, we saw into building relationships, but also we saw into bringing roasters with us to origin because we're really willing to share what we're doing there. We, we love uh, roasters to be part of that and, and go through the emotional journey that, that we've been through because um, going into a farm for the first time definitely changed your view of coffee. Uh, it does for everybody. It's, it's no way you go to origin and you come back the same. Um, so that's a, that's a journey we love to share and we love to, to be part of. And, and we have had a huge shift on the relationships with roasters after they've been to origin with us. Yeah. It's usually like a before and after moment when they go really like, Do you wow. Take like, photo? Before and after, still the enlightenment. We actually sure, but I, I usually warn Maybe people. Maybe you should take a photo. I usually video. warn warn people a lot when we when we do that, and yeah. we tell them like, uh, you know, remember remember what you think about coffee now when yeah. we are at the airport. Just just remember this moment and see if when you come back home you see it the same because I think that's the moment you go back to the bar. Wow, man, like yeah. that moment is, is just so different. First of all, you don't spill coffee on the floor for anymore. probably yeah. Yeah, anymore, <laughs> right? Like you start seeing each bean as the most precious yeah. thing and yeah. you have a huge Less respect wastage. for it. You look after you it. stop, you know, like you, you actually catch people sometimes saying, oh, coffee is, is horrible or coffee is bad. And you're like, no, 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 coffee is no bad. Mm. Yeah, we yeah. bad, but yeah, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> coffee is perfect. Uh, so you That's get that right. kind of like very emotional thing going yeah. on. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, obviously, this happened to you. That's why you're sharing. So Definitely. It's, yeah. uh, it's more of a personal emotion. <laughs> yeah. I could see. Um, Which is interesting what you said about it all being a win-win situation because sometimes we don't have control over who wins and who doesn't. Um, I mean, if you're fortunate enough to be a company that's working direct with mm -hmm. the farmers and you're selling that coffee to the consumer, well, then you have that whole chain under wraps so you have a bit more control over what goes on but for some of us smaller guys or for some other people there is there is decisions that you can make to try and make sure that you're doing things the ethical way mm -hmm. and for that you need an understanding of how the chain works uh, and you need to have an understanding of the businesses that you're working with but sometimes it gets very complex and it gets very complicated depending mm -hmm. on the origin as well mm -hmm. um so um, yeah maybe because what I know what what you mentioned to me before was with financial reports when companies are putting their financial reports up, sometimes a number that they're paying doesn't tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. uh, would you like to touch on that a little bit and 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 why? You, what? There's actually a good point about uh, I mean win-win outcomes are the ideal outcome, but it doesn't mean that it's the only one you face all the time. Yeah. Sometimes you end up on lose-lose outcomes mm. uh the idea is that there's not a win-lose right mm. uh and and it's it's not super often but it has happened that sometimes you have to cope certain losses and having a strong enough business and having a sustainable business that can afford to do those kind of things is usually is usually very needed um, so win-win is not always the only outcome you can get. And w when that happens, then you go into how can we minimize both losses? 
because we know we're going to get a, a loss. So how can we make sure that it's not all on the producer, but it's also not all on us? Yeah. Now, do, do you mind for the listeners, of course, we want to give them an example of what's a win-win scenario. So what, what, what do you define as win-win? We define it as like um, both companies or both businesses achieving the goals they want to achieve. For example, not all producers care about the same things. Uh, not all producers want to win competitions. Not all producers care about having 90 plus coffees. Some producers might tell you, my goal is to send my kids to university. That's what I care about. So I don't mind what happens with the farm as soon as I can achieve that goal. Mm. Uh, some producers might tell you, I want my kid to be able to speak English and sell coffee. Uh, we have had conversations with producers who are trying to send their grandchildren to Australia to, for a couple of years, you know, to study or to work. And, and they're like, is there any possibility, you know, they can, they can go and see your business and, or do, and do barista classes? Or, and we're like, yeah, more than, more than welcome. So sometimes it's not necessarily about achieving a specific thing in relation to the same things you're trying to achieve, right? Maybe yeah. you're trying to really push the flavor button a lot, or maybe you're trying to uh, have a very high scoring coffee yeah. or a coffee that is going to be amazing for certain competitions. Uh, but that doesn't mean that's their goal. Mm. So listening to their goal is very important. And that's something you only get to do when you're building relationships. Because sometimes it's not about the money. And I have met many producers who said, certain companies offer me this much or certain people offer me this much and I don't want to work with them. Why? Because maybe two years ago they came, they asked me to do this experiment, they didn't like it, they didn't buy it. And that was a problem for me. But they weren't there to know that that was a problem for me. Um, what, so, but wouldn't that be your transparency back to them as well to tell them, to, to communicate with them what was the problem? No, no, no. In the case of, for example, if we're working with them, um, and we're working, for example, on experiments. Uh, the agreement Project Origin has with uh, producers is that we buy the experiment regardless of the outcome um, at the same price. Would that be a win-lose, though? It could be, but at the same time, we don't, we don't have a farm or we don't have a farm that produces enough coffee that we can experiment Goodness. with. So for us, yeah. it is a win-win. It is a win-win. Even a bad experiment, right. it's, it's a win because you know that you shouldn't do that anymore. You don't have to be there at the farm conducting the experiments, etc. Et as long as there's a learning, there's yeah. a learning behind it as well. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So it's, it's your risk. And, and we understand that fun. investing on, on learning and investing on research it's another way of investing. So yeah. we, we are okay with that. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, R&D is really important for the whole supply chain, mm -hmm. not just Project Origin or that specific importer or exporters. Everybody should benefit from it. Definitely. Would, would that help you later on? Let's say if, if, if you did an um, experiment or an R&D and was not, did not work the way you want it, would you share this uh, with the community as well? Is that part of your transparency that you think we should? Should, should we tell the whole community that, hey, we tried this and it didn't work? Would that? That's would, an interesting you... thing. Um, I don't know if necessarily that would be a win for the community because um, the fact that an experiment you've done didn't work, it doesn't mean that somebody else cannot make it work. Maybe it didn't work on the conditions you made it. Maybe it didn't work in that specific scenario, but maybe in a different scenario or in a different area or done in a, you know, with a little twist it would still work. So you wouldn't also like to shut down the, oh, guys, don't, I don't know, don't freeze coffee. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, it actually, like even with the roasting area, right? Like there's so much stuff that roasters can tell you that another roasters then can 
Yeah, tell you otherwise. Yeah. yeah. But um, but I mean, sharing it would help because you've done a lot of data and you've done a lot of analysis. That doesn't mean they shouldn't do it, but at least you kind of tell them. Your results. Yeah, you shared your result. Maybe in your finding or maybe in your conclusion, you might say maybe if we do it under these circumstances it could have a different outcome. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think I think that's another topic that yeah. people should be focusing on, not just doing it themselves. I think sharing, because there's so much data you calculate and you you, you get from your experiment at, at Origin and stuff. Yeah. Very good. Um, also, I was going to ask you, um, in terms of uh, transparency, do you just take it from the farmer to us or to the end? consumer or do we feed it back as well to the farmer we tell them how how their coffee perform uh, in the market do we go back to them and say you know you, you're expecting from us this but the market gave us a different feedback or how, how does in, it work like? in terms of the final outcome um it's a complex topic but uh i'll, I'll tell you sometimes we do sometimes we don't so and the sometimes we do, for example, I I started a little thing a couple of years ago called like letters to origin because mm-hmm. I found that um, we ask producers a lot about their personal lives and about what they are doing or how their families are like form or how did they start producing coffee. There's yeah. so much personal information that then we put on info cards and we build into marketing material. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to think like where is the limit on that? Because uh, CRS, you know, you you guys run CRS, but there's not a full-on bio personal of like, you know, who you are. There's a certain amount of privacy that you protect from what you make public or make into the marketing. I never thought of it like that. But the producers seem to like, you know, their stories is everything that it counts. So um, I had that thought a couple of years ago. And what I did is I, um, I created this like almost like farming for file, but for roasters. So roasters could fill it in with uh, answering different questions about their business and about like themselves. And then I would translate that to Spanish and take it to Central America. So, mm. um, goes both ways. so producers could read about it, oh, right? Wow. Because there's, there's things that producers do not really know about what happens to the coffees. Like yeah. what's the difference between a blend and a filter coffee? And like, mm. that would know? be very interesting for them to know because that will tell them, you know what? Maybe I should do a better job yeah. next year too. I want, want my coffee to be filtered. Exactly. You know, I don't want it to be on a blender. Uh, and, a- and that's what I mean about the win-win, right? Like, um, not all producers drink coffee. Mm. Uh, so when you talk about flavor, sometimes they are not very sure what you what you're talking about. Mm. For them, they might focus a lot on processing. They might focus a lot on like careful um, it's, it's processing of their coffee, right? Like the the, the care they they put on and. Um, it, in their minds, they might have done everything that was right for that coffee, but in the cup score to you, might be a 82 or a 83 point coffee. Yep. For them, it's very hard to comprehend what's going on because they've done everything that was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so sometimes you need to find a middle language in between that you can speak because they drink coffee with sugar. Not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. Uh, so for, for those people, you can't really fully go into scores or like mm. flavor profiles or what the coffee is doing. But then... But if, yeah, but if the coffee they're drinking is average and it's bitter 
and then you put sugar to balance it out. Well, it makes sense, right? Like, are these guys actually drinking the, the you know the niche coffees that we're sort of bringing into the country? The not necessarily, and sometimes when we when they do, they might not like it. Mm. Like we have prepared coffees at Origin to people and be like, "Oh man, taste this," and they're like. It's, it's, it's not strong. It's sour. Strong. Yeah. It's sour. <laughs> they don't like it. Yeah. I, my my favorite question sometimes when I ask producers, do you drink coffee? They always say yes. And you're like, with sugar or without sugar? Yeah. Every single one of them comes yeah. back saying, ah, just one, one sugar. Uh, so yeah, it's th their palates are adapted to something completely different. But when you go to a farm and you look at the trees, uh, you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, And yeah. they know. Yeah. Right, and that's when you walk around the farm. I mean, especially on your first times when you like see trees of different shape, and you go like, "What are these?" And they're like, "Oh, that's a pacamara. That's yeah. geisha. That's bourbon." Mm. And 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 they look at you like, "How could you not know? It's obvious." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for you, that means very little, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's true. Um, they they love coffee in a different way, and I think that's the beauty the beauty of it. Like you connect with them because you both love coffee, but you just love different aspects of coffee. So the goal is how to find a way that we can both speak a similar language, that we can both understand each other, but doesn't fully rely on cupping, doesn't fully rely on flavor, because maybe that's not the language they speak. Yeah. You know, I, I was going to go back to a really good point. You said that different farmers has different wind situation, right? Now, should we tell because um, you're a green coffee importer, should you tell the, the roaster that, hey, man, this farmer, all he needs is this or he, all he wants to win from this is that? Uh, do you think this kind of information will help as well, like us as roasters choosing whose farmer we want to deal with? Maybe because then that will, you know... Like to be honest, we do that at the moment. Uh, the thing is uh, we, we green bean buyers, but we not only green bean sellers, right? We are green bean suppliers. So a big part of the coffees that we import and we bring in do not make it to a product list. They go directly to roasters. Uh, we we try to work uh, so mostly in terms of like pre-booking and like filling in needs for people and going and looking for things that we already know that people need. Yeah. Uh, so in the case of uh, the roasters we work with in that way, they're, they're definitely on board with that with that style and then we take it further so we might have a roaster that it's exclusively buying something from someone and then that someone is starting to have certain needs or different things then we start building on that yeah you and facilitate you, we, the transaction really, definitely pretty much uh, and then we try to help as well when things maybe don't go as planned yeah. right so that's when we we can be also like very helpful in that scenario in the case of small roasters um this is information we always have, but the um, the challenge with small roasters is like their buying capacity is much less. Uh, I'll give you a classic scenario. I get a lot of small roasters asking us to work directly and exclusively with a farm. They want to buy a very small farmer, maybe very small. They're, they're like, we're happy to buy the entire production. And we said, look, a very small farmer would probably produce about 50 bags. Yeah, yeah, and that roaster goes, oh, like I was looking at like two or three bags. I'm like, there's <laughs> not many producers that produce two or yeah. three bags a year. Yeah. Uh, so, in the case of small roasters, we, we just try to help small roasters, but maybe in a different way because we understand that volume maybe is not the thing yeah. that they can do. But like I said last night, right? Like 
Uh, they're the ones that are the proudest probably about the coffees because they might buy less amount and yeah. then they take a lot of care to it and they do a lot of like, you know, promotional stuff about it. And they're the ones that really help to drive that demand for boutique, exclusive, mm. unique stuff. Plus they can help you as well with lots that they are nano lots. They are mm. very, very small micro lots. Maybe a bigger roaster can't help you with that because yeah. they can't do much with one or two bags. Yeah. Um, so well, I think there's a big pressure on um, on everybody at the moment that they have to do direct trade, and and there's there should be a lot of education about what is direct trade and and the challenges that you face actually going exactly. to the to the farmer and tell him, hey, I just want to buy your coffee. It's like, yeah, no problem. You want to buy the whole lot? Exactly. You know, I think that people need to understand the fact of direct trade it's a great concept yeah but we need people like you guys to facilitate the transaction it just cannot happen without this especially if you're a tiny small roaster that want to do something different yeah i guess and that pressure is coming from a, from more, more the industry itself mm-hmm. than it is the outside because mm-hmm. the outside never ask you do you direct trade uh you know before i buy this espresso uh but i guess it's the industry putting a lot of pressure but there is no um, practices mm-hmm. built yeah. for that pressure for us to go ahead and do it. Yeah. And I think it only can happen through tr- traceability. And and again, like giving a financial report is great. But teaching people how to read a financial report is greater. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we need to educate us first how to read a financial report before we give it to others to read, yeah. I guess. And I guess also like each business really focusing on their strengths as well, because that's what builds sustainability on the long term. Like um, if, a, if a small roaster wants to buy, let's say entire crop from someone and that entire crop includes coffees that are gonna be 80 points or below, uh, it's gonna be very tough for that small roaster to then build a sustainable business based on that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes some of those very low grade coffees are, are maybe not even worth bringing into Australia for the cost of the shipping of bringing here as well. Mm. Um, so it, it's for us, our biggest thing is like, you know, anyone that wants to approach us and wants to start chatting with us in terms of learning more about the origin, learning more about the background of a specific coffee, more than happy to share that. Uh, and if they feel like they want to do more, um, one of the, I guess, first steps for that is uh, come to origin with us yeah, yeah. Uh, because once you go there and you see it it's you actually s- start getting a lot of ideas of how to make it work like um, we, we had roasters that have come to origin with us and have started programs have started their own little projects in terms of like helping and giving back uh, to to those communities so that's that's lovely to see but from here sometimes the idea uh, might, might sound good, but once you actually go there and see the reality, that's when it really takes shape in your head and yeah. you go, I think this is what, what we can do. Can I, can I ask you, I just thought of this. It's interesting. Do you think that the Australian market is limiting the type of producers that we can work with because of the standards that there is, for example, in Sydney or Melbourne, or the expectation that the market has of what the coffee should be, right? Because if we're looking at specialty coffee and the percentage of what that is in um, from coffee producers, mm-hmm. or what, what coffee producers are producing. Specialty coffee is sort of minuscule compared to the rest of the coffee market. Yes. 
how many of these growers are actually growing specialty coffee and thus are we actually supporting the coffee market itself or like we are supporting the specialty coffee market yeah um the thing the difference is um the people who are doing commercial coffee they are it's a very general thing what i'm gonna say but um they aren't all doing too bad right because they might either have like big farms also their cost of production is much lower because there's not enough that much care that you need to put onto the coffee i'm talking about commercial coffee uh actually doing specialty is hard it's mm. very hard. Um, so the idea of the specialty industry, I think it was original to reward that, to reward that difference, to start rewarding uh, those different flavors and unique exotic flavors that we were getting. So I feel that that was our step one. And that's why, like, you know, when I was introducing the values of Project Origin last night, I said the first value is quality. We need to start somewhere. And that's where we start, right? Like. Um, I have had moments when I thought, wow, like, what if we were doing commercial coffee? Because you see, you see the amount of, like, quantity and the amount of, like, need that the industry has for people to do business in a bit more conscious way. And commercial coffee is usually um, mostly uh, purchased by bigger companies. Um, So it it definitely, you have your moments when you really question it. Um, Are we, you know, doing enough? But... But you do need to draw the line somewhere. And I think uh, at the moment, the, probably the line is on quality to start with and, and to start building on. And but I don't think we have finished helping the, the special producers yet. Yeah. Well, you know you know what? I mean, most of the com- a lot of big companies uh, by commercial grade have financial reportings mm-hmm. themselves as well. Um, now, when, when I want to look into that, um, trace, traceability report. So somebody came to me and said, this is traceability report. This is full transparency where the coffee comes from. Where should I look at as, as, as a buyer? Like where, where should I be focusing at that will make sense to me? Like what's your advice? How can I read this? Where should I look for before I buy from, from, from that specific person or from that specific farmer? What, what is the that most is probably valuable? the toughest in- question of the whole day. Um, because we, we still like working out what these reports actually would mean. Uh, and at the moment, we still um, really trying to work out um, what's the right answer to that, right? Like for us, at least, if, if, if a roaster that works with us asks us that question, ask us how do we know that this is purchased on the right way? How do we know that this is enough? The most obvious answer we have is come to origin with us. Okay. Uh, that's the first step that we can mention. Um, because when when you go there, the way that the way that buyers are received is, is very different. Uh, and you know, you might ha- like you might have a very just cupping session for you, get in, cup, choose what to buy, get out. Uh, or you might go and like, you know, have a barbecue in their house and celebrate their grandchildren's birthday with them. Uh, it's a very different approach. So uh, for us, it's, it's a lot about what happens at Origin. It's a lot about helping each other when things don't go as planned, uh, being there for each other when, when things can get difficult. Be there to celebrate when things go great and and do a lot of research and work on how to make things even better than they are. 
Hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you can learn too much from a number. You yeah. might see you might see someone exactly. paying a very high price for a coffee, but you don't know what the relationship is with that producer between yeah. that company and that producer. The producer might be selling to them because you know what they pay the bills. But I mean, we all work in hospitality. We have had in restaurants or cafes the customer that comes and spends maybe a lot of money, but we don't really like dealing with. Yeah. Um, Just clarifying, you're talking about numbers, for example, from a financial report. So you're yes. saying if you know you see a number on a financial report, the number doesn't always tell the story. The it's, number it's won't tell you the story. To the situation, it's relative to the country, it's relative to a lot of different things. Like obviously, putting your financial report out in the in the open in the public is a, a great vulnerability because you're showing people your actions. So mm-hmm. it opens the opportunity for people to question yes. what what you're doing. Um, and for someone who doesn't have anything to hide or someone who just yes. feels like they're doing the right thing, they, they wouldn't care about putting that out in the open because yes. they're willing to answer those questions. But what you're saying is just putting a number on a piece of paper isn't always going to explain what is happening in that transaction no. and in that relationship. No, and we, we, are, we do have transparent systems with uh, certain clients we work with that probably the, the people we work the most often with uh, we, da- we do have an open books kind of like system with them uh, just because it makes it easier when you go to Origin and just like, you know, talk about pricing. We talk all together and it's, it's very easy to deal with. But those are people that like know us so well and we know them so well. And then the relationship is it's like family. So for us, it's there's, there's no fear or there's no fear, but like, you know, there's no issues on anything in regards to that. Now, when that information can be completely taken out of context, uh, that's the bit that uh, yeah. we're still not super sure about. And again, like, you know, where is the question coming from? Why does the roaster wants to know, for example, a financial report? Is it because they want to see that the right thing was done? Is it because they want to see, or is it just because they want to see a number? Because if you want to see if the right things are done, like we were talking yesterday about certifications, yeah. you know, be, just because a farm has an organic certificate or a rainforest certificate or a fair trade certificate, do Doesn't you really know anything. about their practices? You won't know it until you're not there. Well, um, anyway, there's no governance for fair trade. Like there's no, there's nobody saying who is fair trade, who put the rules. You can buy the certificate that. and then you can do whatever yeah. else during the rest of yeah. the days. Um, well, so fair trade is the biggest bullshit anyway out there. So uh, I won't say that. I would, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. I did a research about it when I was in university, and mm-hmm. I was, and I spoke, you know, and I read a lot about it. And and you know, it's it's a great marketing at the end of the day for Nestle, for example. You know, these two percent fair trade coffee and all the rest. God knows where they get it from. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a lot of gray area. Yep. In in that concept, but I think specialty coffee is what's came into the market to kind of make it a black and white, mm-hmm. you know, and help the whole industry to move forward. Yeah. You know, I guess that's... Uh, Is there anything you do like about being transparent in your reports? I think that... Um, I think it can help people understand the pricing structure a little bit more, uh, and especially the value of coffee. Um, for example, like, uh, you know, the Aussie dollar keeps moving as well a little bit. Uh, so sometimes people might hear a number in done in US dollars per pound 
and then they hear AUD per kilo and they think like, oh, the jump is gigantic, but you're, but you're like, pounds are not kilos and USD is not AUD. Mm. Uh, so sometimes that can be a bit confusing to people, but then also like all the, all the costs in the middle as well, like the stuff that I was talking about last night, right? Like uh, maybe people having issues moving coffee from one place to another, or maybe people having issues um, with harvest or storage or even financing, like even getting the money to apply the fertilizers or stuff. So that's stuff that the more you learn about, the easier it gets to understand a price. Yeah. And then you go, I see why this coffee is $10 a kilo. I see why this coffee is $20 a kilo now. And I see why maybe this coffee is 80, um, 86 points and is $10. And this one is 86 points and is 18. I understand why. Yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, do, do you think the industry is ready for it? For I think the industry is, is getting, is, is starting to question it. And I think that's great. I think I prefer an industry that cares and in the in the process might be making the wrong assumptions or you know like learning uh, at a slow rate but I prefer that than people that totally won't care yeah. right like roasters like to me it'll be probably the, the, the toughest thing if roasters will tell me I don't really I don't really care yeah just bring me the good coffee and make sure it's cheap I'll find that harder to deal yeah, with yeah yeah uh, but how can you how, how do you tell them like some look let me educate you why you should care or uh, that become a bit of a <laughs> the, the same way that is with ro with producers i found that is with roasters yeah. uh you get to learn what their goals are and you get to learn what are the things that they do like and what are the things they're looking out of coffee and what they value and and then you just work with that so there are people that are love the stories they love the stories they're like i don't mind if the coffee is 90 plus or not just bring me Story. that and then there's people that say, I don't really mind about the story, but I like exotic flavors. Don't bring me balance, bring me crazy, yeah. right? And then you have people that said like, no, 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 no. I only drink wash. I want good structure. Yeah. I like good acidity, clean. Yeah. Clean is very important. And then you get the randoms that say, I don't know, I hate pea berries, don't even offer me one. Okay, no worries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then that's how you learn. And then when you are at origin or when you're sourcing, your brain straight away goes into... I think this roaster would like this. I'm going to send a sample of this to this person. And you start working with them. Very yeah. similar to your work with uh, producers. It's, um, it's connecting people. Right? Yes. <laughs> and I think, yeah, what you said before about people's uh, perspective is, is, is moving in the right direction, I think is, 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 is great. Because well, I, I got a little bit confused about the financial reports and transparency. Mm -hmm. It's... It, it's, it's a thing that's, that a lot of people talk about, but I don't really understand why. So uh, the more research I did at the, at the start, it was more, uh, you know, transparency in financial reports for investors because you can see the actions of a company. You can see what they're investing in. You can see where, you know, their values because you can see where they're spending their resources. It's very valuable resource. So I understand it from an investing perspective. And then when I start looking at it from an ethical perspective, like you said, a number doesn't always tell the whole story, but at least a financial report opens up questions. Mm -hmm. So people can then approach you about anything. I'm, if this actually happens, who knows? But at least you're making yourself vulnerable about it. So I understand it from, from, from that perspective. I think what I'm getting at is in my whole research of understanding financial reports, I realized that 
for me, what I see it as is the purpose of this is to make sure that we're not profiteering off farmers without them getting their due. Um, we're not exploiting. Yeah, not exploiting producers, basically. 100%. Uh, and even though you're saying this may not be the best approach towards it, mm. at least it's a movement towards that. Yeah. And at least it's a movement towards that conversation. Are we truly... Uh, being ethical in our actions when we purchase coffee mm -hmm. because if we have no idea where it's coming from and we have no idea what's going on well then i, I think as as business owners as roasters we have a responsibility to make sure that what we're doing is ethical mm -hmm. at, at the very least so so yeah I, I just found it very interesting i talked to a lot of people different people had different perspectives on what it was and that was the conclusion that i came up with mm -hmm. uh, and seeing people that are sort of promoting that in europe and in america big names that are putting their financial reports out in the open maybe or not it tells the whole story but at least it is pushing pushing that yeah yeah and like we were saying yesterday as well right like the whole developing developing of communities as well the investment or investing on infrastructure like that's a lot of stuff that when i got to join project origin i actually got to know about it because i was working there and and i remember kind of like having that conversation with my colleagues going why don't we share this more Uh, why is, isn't any of this on our website or like on social media? And, and it's not about you being the hero and being like, oh my God, we're doing all these things. But definitely showing that you're doing things. It can definitely inspire others. You put a benchmark. And then also make sure that roasters like do, um, do want that to happen, right? Like uh, there's the classic is the, the, um, the argument of should you put your logo on the things you do at Origin, right? Like, should you build something and put your logo in there? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Are yeah. you, is wow. it, is it kind? Doesn't but, really but, matter. Well, but think about it this way. If you, if you do it and you put your logo on it, uh, when other green bean buyers go there and they're like, oh, wow, like this company is building all these things, uh, maybe makes them think that that's, that's one of the ways of, supporting or helping right um i think that i think that is an interesting thing to to start uh building on um to be honest we haven't put our logo on anything yet uh, but that was one of the Nothing ideas wrong with we it, had, right? people like, will talk about those, it anyway that was one so. of the things we 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 discuss and we argue and we're like well um is there is it good that we building a lot of things and we telling no one about it from the point of like humbleness is great, but could we be inspiring people or could we be sharing with people like, look, these are things that you could also do. Yes. Uh, you don't just need to go mm -hmm. and pay premium price. You could okay. help build, you could help develop, yeah. you could help yep. invest on infrastructure. Is that something that we could start sharing more of at the moment? We share a lot of that when people come to origin with us yep. and we are on the process of working on how to communicate that better without of course like the you know th there's no need for arrogance or anything like we want to do it in the most humble way and i think sasha did a lot of things back on the day um that uh, we personally got to know when we start working for project origin mm. uh but uh, rarely he will share that stuff mm. with other people right because he was doing it out of his heart Passion. he was doing it out of kindness and, and we think that that's a great thing uh but we just wanted to make sure that roasters also know that the value they're paying is supporting a lot of other things as well mm. and we think that that's very valuable for roasters as well i think that helps roasters understand that what they're buying is ethical 
Um, How do you package that? How do you offer that information? Is the bit that it can sometimes get a bit complex because you don't want to come yeah. across as like, oh, we're doing all these things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, but but there's nothing wrong with it. I agree. You should. I think I think you should talk about it because it will open the eyes and and people need to know the differentiation part as well. Why why am I dealing with this person, not the other person? It's mm-hmm. important because it builds like you know what I want to. I don't care what you. How much you charge me, but I know the value you're adding, mm-hmm. and that's f- for some people is is very very important for them, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with it. Now I want to ask you this: Do you have a financial report ready, or do you, not financial? Report, do, you have a re- <laughs> do, do you have a financial report I can look at? No, uh, but d- is there a report that, like, let's say, some of our listeners wanna whoever listen to us, they wanna go on Project Origin and check if there is. A transparency report or we don't have one yet okay no um definitely we do the auctions in honduras uh the auctions are there to help producers who harvest very late those producers were missing out on participating on cup of excellence in the past so sasha had the idea to do a specific platform for those producers so all the coffees harvest april onwards going to best of honduras late uh, harvest auction that auction is non-for-profit so you know those numbers from the auctions are there that's what the producer gets um so yeah that that stuff is definitely there and and, and that's probably one of the bits where we can start we bring a lot of people to those trips again for anyone that is listening and wants to come it's like a very nice coolest trip it's yeah. pretty cool yeah uh, this year we were 28 people in uh, honduras wow and, uh, yeah it was they're all australian Roasters, uh, baristas? No, no, most, no, not all Australians. We had people from Japan. Uh, uh, for the Honduras, so yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. had people coming from all across the globe. Even people from Argentina. I was very surprised. Wow. I wasn't the only one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, and then you know you get to taste and cup and like I always love cupping with international panels because you learn so much. And like you were saying before about the Australian market, right? Yes. Like, there's definitely an Australian profile for specialty coffee Amazing. and even when you talk to people at origin they tell you oh yeah yeah we know this is for australia <laughs> and you're like oh what do you mean and they're like you guys love acidity like yeah. that's what they tell yeah, you yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. it's very funny uh, i never thought we had a profile but apparently we do that for is them. that is interesting yeah. that is really interesting yeah. and in their heads they go china would like this this is probably europe this is nordic countries leave this for australia but this they're is the same for us sometimes as roasters like it depends on the area. If you're like, let's say, western suburb, you might want to give them a little bit darker. Or yeah, but uh, but a whole country. On because I mean, look at wine with like the differences in in Europe. You get some riesling from Germany with like peaking acidity. It, or it is you go true that Australians value Spain. Yeah, Australians like, value clean cup a lot, uh, yeah. and we have seen like. Uh, very very funky coffees that the australian market would be a bit conflicted by um being very popular in other countries and and you would think you know oh this is too funky like but when you actually taste the roast they do and the water that they're using it's actually a complete different expression Mm. um yeah Yeah. there's and it has happened uh in the past when we go Korea. We, we don't really like that coffee and, yeah. and we have yeah. our international guests with us going we would love that coffee yeah. uh, and yeah. then you learn from it right yeah. like you learn and, and then you start building in your head okay well these are roughly the areas of the world that would yeah. be interested in this yeah. rare varietals yeah 
they're great for in China, for example. Yep. In Australia, you might bring rare varietals, but if they don't taste amazing, Australians are very like picky. They're they're all about the flavor. Mm. Uh, but so we had some Korean coffee, and on the tasting notes, they had tomato. Wow. And that's what Japanese. they like. And there's, oh, was it Japanese? Japanese. Dried yeah. tomato. Dried, dried to sun-dried tomato or something like that. Delicious. And that's actually what they look for in the coffee. And that's what, mm-hmm. they, what they like. So, I mean, yeah. who am I to question the sun-dried I, tomato in coffee? I usually <laughs> hear like US cuppers, for example, saying notes like basil or, uh, you know, kind of like herbal notes that we, mm-hmm. I've never really understood in coffee. But for them, yeah, like they're like, oh, yeah, these herbaceous kind of like, you know. Uh, coriander or coriander seed. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I can. You do have a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. And when you cup in an international panel, it's nice to see those trends. Mm. If you have a few cuppers from an area and you have different cuppers from different areas, usually uh, they seem to be in sync with each other. You know, you know what I think we should do? Mm. Uh, I, th- I think coffee. What should we do? What should we do I, th- I think coffee is the most. Um, drunk beverage in the world but and shared by so many culture but we don't know any of those cultures mm-hmm. i think we need to do cultural studies like we need to when we do a cupping what is the colombian culture for example what is actually, for coffee yeah. yeah and not only for coffee what is colombian culture like what is it if, if i go to colombia what am i expecting what a lot co- of dancing yeah yes. my, here you go that's part <laughs> of the culture so you know or something or how how do they deal business mm-hmm. what business for them well that's that's you a know? very interesting thing uh, we we find ourselves having to learn a lot about the cultural side of countries when you go and deal uh with them for example ethical uh, for you is not ethical for me right 100 so. <laughs> percent. and and also the way that uh they take Comment. I'll give you a very good example. We went to Honduras last year and uh, we visited the farm and one of the people that was with us said, oh, do you guys do any naturals? And the farmer said, no. They're like, oh, it'd be interesting to see these coffees as naturals. This year we went to Honduras and I get a call from this producer saying, I got three bags of naturals for you because you ordered last year. I was like, did I? <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. And then I kind of remember that conversation. That was the conversation, right? That was the only do, conversation. Is he, is he being honest or is he sliding he's you been, one? No, he's being okay. honest. But in his in in their thing, it's like someone came, someone asked for naturals. Uh, we're gonna make it. Yeah. And then for them, it's like here here is your coffee. Here's your natural. That was your order, <laughs> right? So um, well, it happened with me a little bit before, but for coffee grinding grinders i thought he ordered a grinders but he didn't so i bought it anyway <laughs> for them there you go so maybe uh, there you go we've got similar culture me yeah. and the honduras people but yeah. even language i mean the same word in mexico means totally different in spain yeah and you know it's it's used b- between friends in spain but you say that word in mexico and it's one of the biggest offenses you can give someone it's it's just really interesting yeah but yeah. something i found very very cute for example one of my biggest surprises of the year was that uh Ethiopia was very similar to Latin culture. Wow. I was I went there expecting a cultural shock and I found like Why, the biggest dance? friends <laughs> ever. Like man, it's just it was very similar but with a uh, better music and yeah. Uh, yeah, it well, was That's where Latino music originated from. Africa. Yeah, man. Like but the the music even what they listen on the radio is beautiful. Mm. Um so Ethiopia was for me there's not many places in the world that I have visited and I went, wow, I would live here. But Addis in Ethiopia was, wow, this place is amazing. Nice. Like, I actually really felt I did not want to leave. Like, and, and again, like, 
you know, being from Latin culture and visiting Central America so many times, I would thought that Central American would be the most home feeling I would ever get. And then Ethiopia completely wiped that out. I was incredible. I think it's the coffee. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> and but the, the culture, people, yeah. the people was yeah, like you great know, people. They the do the great thing stuff. about, for example, them wanting to feed you a lot of food, right? Yeah, or yeah. them uh, having an argument with you over who pays the bill. I was like, wow, yeah. like really, we do that too. Like, yeah. so it was very cute to find uh, those similarities on the culture and like yeah. them really inviting you to their house. Very yeah. important for them, you come to their house and have a drink with them, and like, yeah, that that to me was like, wow, this is beautiful. Yeah, and that's that's the beautiful thing about coffee because it's bring a lot of people from all over the world together, and um, I think we should talk a little bit more about that in the next episodes. More no about cross cultural, um, you know, a business how how it works between one person to another person, and how when when we go somewhere, what do we expect? At least, what's the difference between us and them, mm-hmm. and how we should deal business with them, you know, mm-hmm. and. That's true because it's not always just a money transfer. Like we see business as my product for your money or my service for your money, and it's not always that simple. Well, it's part of sustainability, so yeah. you, you have to be sustainable across financially, culturally. Yes. Yeah, you have to know how the government works as well. So there's there's a few bodies that you need to combine together to build a sustainable uh, market. You know, and we need to understand how everybody works together. So then we know where are the problem and where are the wins, you know. Mm-hmm. So that would be part of the transability next time. Yeah. And, Let's and do it. Let's do a part yeah, two. I'm, I'm looking forward for, for, for yours. Is it going to be up at any time? Are you guys thinking about putting a little bit more about it? Talk a bit we more? Still, I think we should. We're still really Maybe. wrapping our heads around it. And again, like it's a, a complex. Tra- transparency oh, yeah, yeah. report, like one of the biggest things that not many people consider is uh, it involves the producers because the producers are not right. just selling coffee to you. Yeah. They might be selling coffee to other people around the world and maybe the pricings are not the same because the volumes might not be the same and maybe they are not okay with you to publish Exactly, that's another, and another that's cultural you thing. You need to make sure you ask them, right? That's you need right. to make them part of the decision. It's not as simple as going like, oh, yeah. well, we're just going to like yeah. open yeah. everything up. You definitely need to check with them as well. So, and if they're okay with it. Yeah, and I'm curious, like putting up a report online, having random numbers, like obviously those numbers are associated to what you're purchasing, but is it really? We don't know. And then uh, you you can just not put certain coffees that you bought up there. That's so you can just put the specialty coffees that you bought and not, not the other ones. Like a, it's a very scary yeah. concept. Yeah. It? yeah. It's yeah. got so much grayness it's around it. So. interesting. But yeah. anyways, Yanina, is we there anything you would like to leave us with today before we finish up? Is there anything you'd like to say before we close this first episode off? Uh, actually, this is a very personal opinion, but yes. I think that the biggest business investment anyone can do is go to Origin. Wow. So if I can leave everyone with that thought, is all good Origin. Let's if go. If you're a barista <laughs> and month. this is your career and this is what you want to do, just think about it. You're not spending money on uni. You're like, you're, if this is your career, that was my mental uh, state when I went to Origin in 2015 and I did not regret putting a foot on that airplane ever again because should, for me you was put your trip um schedule and and what do you guys we offer? did send an email out to all people but if anyone is interested please email us uh info at projectorigin.com.au we're more than happy to take people to origin uh, we do that um 
very often. Like now, because we see the demand is very high, so we're actually bringing people with us uh, to come. And there's going to be a trip for baristas as well coming up soon because we know that, you know, buying trips involve a lot of cupping and sometimes a lot of like business talk. Uh, and sometimes baristas might get a bit lost on that. Yeah. So um, we are working on a trip for baristas as well to for them to actually learn a little bit of a barista camp thing as well. So yeah. we're working on both. Ends. I think it's a good point you mentioned about career. So if you want a career in coffee, you have to push yourself <laughs> a little bit more. And, and this is, yeah, this is going to change yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I agree 100%. One day I will. I haven't, but I just chose yeah. coffee. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming down, Yanina. And um, I think it was great. I think it was awesome. great. So thank you. Thank you so much, guys, My for pleasure. having us. I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. All right.